0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we are talking to two women have become experts and leaders in what is traditionally a male-dominated field in the equestrian industry. What does it take to make it? What are the hardest parts and who did they look up
0: to on their way to the top? Marina Acevedo was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil and has graduate and postgraduate degrees in education. She is currently head of an international school in Campinas, Brazil, as her principal job, but is also known as the only female FEI Level 4 course designer in the world. Marina's other passion is horses. Growing up on her family's farm, she was surrounded by animals and nature and learned how to ride, taking jumping lessons at the age of 10 and heading to Europe at age 17, where she rode with legendary show jumper Nelson Pessoa. She returned to Brazil when she was 28 and started training young riders, but after her son was born, she made a career change to course designing. After years of hands-on training and following the FEI pathway to be an international course designer, which consisted of attending seminars, assisting other course designers, and building at several prestigious events, such as the Chio Akin, Pan American Games, World Cup Finals, World Equestrian Games, and the Olympic Games, Marina was promoted to FEI Level 4 in 2020. Along with her main job at the school, she continues to build around the world in South America, North America, and Europe. Maggie Wolfendale Morley
1: is a third-generation horsewoman who grew up in the world of horse racing. Upon graduating from Towson University with a degree in public relations and broadcasting, she worked as an on-air analyst for the Maryland Jockey Club, Colonial Downs, and in her current role at the New York Racing Association, where she has been for over 10 years. Maggie currently serves as a host and the paddock analyst for the Naira-produced show America's Day at the Races for Fox Sports. She also stays very hands-on with the horses, serving as an assistant and exercise rider for her husband, Tom Morley, and she has retired and retrained several of her father's and husband's former runners producing the podcast Off the Track about off-track thoroughbreds on In the Money Media is a passion project for Maggie as she gets to share the stories of the people who have given former racehorses a life and a career away from the track. So I wanted to start off with Maggie and if you could tell me how you got interested in your field and kind of like the story: Who influenced you, and and how you got going, both in the thoroughbred industry and then again um, in commentary. So,
2: I was one of those fortunate people to be born into the racing industry. My dad, a trainer, and my mom always in the barn with him as well, and she was an equestrian too. So, obviously, I grew up showing. First, my pony, who was just an absolute saint, and I got very lucky in that respect. And then by taking uh, horses that my dad had trained off the track and retraining them in different disciplines. So, yes, horses have always been a part of my life. There wasn't a time that I wasn't around horses. So that obviously came pretty naturally. And then it's funny. So going to the track, I actually learn to read by learning, uh, by reading the form and the horse's names. And so I'd watch actually the lady who was on in Maryland uh, at the time was Kim, Kimber Goodwin. And so I grew up watching her and obviously on the national broadcast, there was Charles C. Canty, um, as well as Donna Brothers and, um, uh, and Bradar for that matter. So watching them and knowing that, I I wasn't ever really good in, in math and sciences, English and, and history and, and public speaking were more my fortes when I started into college. And it wasn't, you know, something as far as broadcasting was concerned that I automatically knew when I graduated high school that I wanted to to go into. It was more kind of, well, let me just go into college, take all my gen and uh, and see what fits. And I, you know, a, a gen ed is, is public speaking. And I just, I fell in love with it and then rolling that into broadcasting and journalism. And uh, so I found that I really felt confident in doing it. And then obviously talking about horses and racing, it was just a natural fit. And I, when I graduated college, I sent, I made a reel and a tape and resume and sent it out to every track in the country and and find myself very fortunate and TVG and the other uh, HRTV at the at the time and found myself very fortunate that the New York Racing Association were the ones who contacted me with the most interest and because for the most part year in and year out it is the highest level of racing that we have in the country so and they were looking for someone to be in the paddock to judge horses and and give analysis based on physicality and that's something that came very, very naturally to me. Uh so Mm -hmm. it it was just a perfect fit. And I know I've I've gotten fortunate, but I've also worked really hard Mm -hmm. at at it. And it wasn't the horses were a natural factor for me, but the the broadcasting I had to learn And, and it was just about the reps and overall feeling comfortable with
1: yourself. You know, it's funny, I have a friend who's in standard bread racing and the same thing happened with him. He actually went to the reading teacher and he said, you know, honestly, I don't really need to learn how to read anything except the race program. <laughs> he was in fifth grade. Yep. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I don't need to know. Uh, um, so Marina, you're in a very unique position because you are actually the only female that's four star rated and an Olympic level course designer. So can you kind of explain to us how you got interested in that and, and who were your influences?
3: Well, it's a little bit like Maggie. I grew up in a family's farm, so I had the chance to be surrounded of uh, animals and nature. And I had the opportunity to ride a horse. And when I was 17, I went to Europe where I had incredible experience to ride with Nelson Pessoa, that was, and for me, still one of the best riders in the world. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I learned a little bit more about all the sport, not just ride the horse. I understood a little bit. How it works, all the industry, right? Everything that it's around on the background or on the top level of the riders, all the grooms, the truck, and everything that I, I never thought here in Brazil before. But uh, well, something happened. I never thought in my life that one day I become a course signer. As Maggie said, it became natural. It fit like uh, something that just happened. Uh, I had my son when I was 25, and after that, I wouldn't like to ride anymore. And uh, But I love the horses. I love the horse show. I love to be in the field. And I start to walk a little bit to visit uh, the course designers and just come. Like, uh, if you ask me when you decided, I just decided after my baby was born, and I start to be in the field and understand a little bit that I could do something for the riders that I still can learn in every day. So I think it's happened like that.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, Marina, what were the biggest challenges that you had to overcome in order to start a career in course design?
3: Well, as you know, I live in Brazil, so I'm very far away from the top level. And for me, I think it was very hard to follow all the pathways to the international court signer. And yeah. it was a long way, not on the time, not too long, but regarding all the distance that I had uh, to go Brazil to Europe or Brazil to North America, South America, and everywhere, the cost of every time that you learn something, we have to to go by yourself. Nobody can put money for your learning, so you had to learn. So this was something that was hard to live in my family. So mm-hmm. I, as I said, you, I had a baby at the time, a son, and every time that I had to travel and leave my son home with my husband or my family, it was hard. So yeah. Um, So I think the hardest part for me, the challenge, was to leave my family behind me.
0: Yeah. And um, that must have been really difficult to try and say, you know, I have to invest in myself and I have to come up with the money in order to travel around the world and learn. And because so much of course designing isn't just getting a job and designing the course. You have to assist others for a long time, right?
3: Yes. Usually if you follow the pathway, you have um, to to use it right before, and you have to be assistant for many years, for many shows. And to be international, you should go to the international shows uh, so always I had to go to Europe or United States. Otherwise, you are going to be just in my country. And this is not where you learn. So mm-hmm. invest in yourself is something that's very special and very important. Yeah. Um,
0: what kind of fears did you face? What were you scared of uh, in doing that? And how did you get past it? Well,
3: I don't know I think I my was um, couldn't arrive at, on my goals i I like to have some goals and I like to reach them and I if I don't reach it for me it's very hard so this mm-hmm. is something that I maybe it was scaring me
0: yeah and Maggie um were there challenges that you had to overcome um Maybe more specifically in the broadcasting career. Um,
2: for me, challenges as far as getting into really? the getting into the position there there really wasn't that many. I mean, like I said, I, I kind of hit a flyer, and and luckily somebody that I wanted to work for caught it. Yeah. My biggest hurdle, and still sometimes still as I mentioned, is is dealing with, dealing with connections, dealing with, um, people who might not like what I have to say. And when I first started, there were several horsemen that, I mean, were not very nice to me and, and tried to get me fired. And luckily As I was mentioning, um, I have a great support system as far as the people I work with, as far as the people I work for. So they've always had my back. They've always, you know, been behind me. And, um, I mean, that's probably the biggest challenge that I've had. Um, Just, you know, people kind of wanting to stand in your way, but Mm -hmm. you persevere through it.
0: Do you think that was because you were new or because you were a woman or because of both? A,
2: a, a, a bunch of it. I, I, it was probably a culmination <laughs> of things. You know, being a young woman, I started with Naira when I was 24. And yeah. So that's relatively young. But I think too, I have consistently, and I still do, I, I go to work in the morning. I get on horses in the morning. I'm you know i on the pony. I so. Over time, they saw me doing that, and they knew that I did. Ha- I had the knowledge and I had the experience. And I think, too, maybe being a woman, they feel as though they can push you around a little bit and try to intimidate you. Um, but unfortunately, that's what it, it is, what it is. And maybe if I was mm-hmm. a man, they wouldn't have been so brazen and so bullish about it. But yeah. uh, so I, I think it was a combination of both those things.
0: Yeah. And was there anything that you were afraid of to do or anything you had to work past in the in the start?
2: Um, ju- I mean, just like <laughs> I'm always an honest person. I probably, you know, wear my heart on my sleeve a little too much. And um, to a fault, I guess you could say. And so finding ways to be critical without sounding too harsh was something that I, I really, you know, I had to work on just to kind of assuage that, you know, uh, people being offended or people being, you know, not pleased with what I had to say. Um, so there's, there's always that. And to, Sometimes working with strong personalities as you tend to on TV broadcasts, you learn how to deal with those people a little bit more. Um, I, I am a hard person to offend. So that's a bit of a feather in my cap. Uh, so, um, so. But I could see where other people or might be in the position I am, and working with those strong personalities that you might get, you might feel as though you've been you know downtrodden on or uh, mm-hmm. don't really have a voice. But that's nothing that I've ever felt or experienced.
0: Yeah. Did you ever feel like you had to edit yourself?
2: Oh yeah, uh, plenty. But I've mm-hmm. I've I've learned how to to achieve a happy medium with with being honest. Protr- parlaying what I want to say, um, but not, you know, keeping it PG, I guess, <laughs> Like yeah. a better way to put it. <laughs> right.
1: And Maggie, do you think that that's the most difficult part of your job or is there something else that's really difficult? Uh,
2: that, I would say, was at first. Um, now it's time management is the biggest challenge because like Marina... I have two kids, I have two young girls, um, and I have a husband that has a business too that uh, I like to tr- try to stay involved with, with as a trainer um, that he is. Uh, so the time management is probably the biggest challenge that uh, is thrown my way daily. <laughs>
1: And then they're probably going to ride ponies and then it's going to be even harder, right? (laughs) Well, see,
2: so I did this reverse psychology thing with my first one. I got her a pony. We, We got her a pony before she was even one. And it's a mini- and she wasn't completely broke and she's pretty difficult to ride. So I think Grace has been like, "Mm, I just like to pet them. I'll be your groomer. So it may be the the second one's probably going to be the one that wants to ride and that will take up a lot of my time as well.
1: (laughs) And Marina, what do you think is the most difficult part of your job?
3: Uh, for me um it was very hard to be away from home that i sad before but i feel that every time i am in transit like if i go somewhere it likes 24 hours since i leave home and i arrive at the hotel or leave the hotel and come home so this is the hardest part for me and it was difficult at the beginning it's like always at the hotel always at the uh, airport, I feel that I don't have routine with my family, with the gym, I like to do at the gym, and now I've become older and I feel that I need more gym and I have less time, so it's <laughs> a, like a mix of like in in between uh, what I'm doing, what I did, what I have to do, you know, this is <laughs> organize the time for everything.
1: You know, yeah. I, I found it really hard after COVID because I was home, I travel a lot for work also, and I've I've really found it hard to get back into the routine of and and balancing it because I had such a good routine during COVID and now now I'm back on the road hotel gyms you know trying to figure it all out and I I really struggled the first couple of months I mean now I'm I'm back into a pretty good routine but it, it's hard. Yeah.
3: It's like uh, for me it's the same the twenty. Now, last year, uh, I haven't traveled, so it was amazing to be home for one year. It never yeah. happened to me since I was 17, I think. Every weekend at home, it was amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, sometime we some... need a break. Yeah. 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 It does make you think that, right, of, of uh, maybe cutting back and, and adding that back into your life. Yep. Um Marina what do you love most about your job in the course designing
3: Well what I love is to learn with uh, everybody like I live in, in different cultures because we live in different uh, I work in different countries different continents different uh, level so for me this is really nice because we learn everything every course that you build, we have a different result. And with that, we have a new challenge for the next week. And you bring for each week, something, some new knowledge that will bring to another week, to the next one. Mm -hmm. And it makes me better as a person, as a woman. And so I love the sport and be in between the sport and know how the kids, they develop it's amazing. For me, it's something that very special.
0: And Am I right that you speak four languages?
3: Yes, my second language is French. Okay. And then Portuguese is my language, and then French is my second. Then Spanish and English, it's not a good one, but I'm trying to. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's
0: amazing. <laughs> I think your English is better than any other language <laughs> that I try to speak. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Maggie, you know, obviously you grew up in the industry and horses have always been a part of your life, but what do you think you love most about your job?
2: I mean, it sounds like the obvious and uh, kind of, you know, trite type of answer, but Being around the horses is what I love most. Uh, There was a time when I actually interviewed with TVG, but the, you know, the bulk of the work was going to be done in a studio and that was just, no, no thanks. I like being, no matter, I'm like the only one, like as far as our team that doesn't mind being out when it's like 20 degrees. And everybody's like, oh my God, it's so cold. We have to be inside. I'm like, nah, I, I'd much rather be out with the horses. They're there and going out in the mornings, still being able to do that um, is an essential part of of my life. So I, I think that's that, that's just the best part of it. It's just being able to be around the horses all the time. I get to go to work and look at horses. I mean, what that's like a dream job. Yeah, it is pretty great. Are yeah, you in New, New
1: York? Are you in New York right now?
2: Yes, in New York. Um, you know, this is home base. This is where we'll be other than, you know, the two months up in Saratoga, still New York. Um, but I do get to travel a little bit more during the the winter as we'll do shows um from Oakland. So, I actually went to Arkansas for the first time three times over this past
1: year. Uh so looking forward to to doing that though again. Okay. So Indeed. here's the difference. This girl in a fleece in New York, not a winter person, that girl in a t t-shirt <laughs> loves the winter.
2: Yeah. I, well, I, I wouldn't say I'd love it, but I don't <laughs> mind it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were just actually is Marina in Brazil. We were, my husband and I were just in Uruguay. So, um, and it was just, it was lovely there. So having a little bit of a into winter tan, which will only last two more days, um, has been a, has been a treat. (laughs) And Maggie, do you still ride in the mornings? You said I try to uh, with the girls. Um, it's not easy, but when my mom is here helping me and again, incredibly fortunate to have my mom as my babysitter, um, Mm -hmm. she, so uh, that half of the week that she's here, she can be with them in the morning and I go, I go out. I have a, a, horse that my husband used to train that we actually, I don't want to say rescued, but got back. He was running at Penn national. And although I think being a track pony is probably his, the least thing he's suited to for, for after the races, he's going to have to live through it because (laughs) long Island is not a very, uh, it's, you can't be frugal as far as boarding a horse. So yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he lives at the barn and I ride him in the morning, even though, like I said, he, he will be much better when he gets off the he's driving.
1: So Maggie, are there any challenges that you had that you hope to see disappear in the future for, for other women looking to get into the same kind of industry line of work that you're in? Well,
2: so <laughs> I mean, yes, and no. there there hasn't been a challenge, at least from my perspective. And I, like I hate to keep harping on the fact that I've been fortunate in this industry, but I know that I have because my father was a trainer, and I married a a, a trainer as well. And two, I've always, at least since I you know moved out of Maryland, so I was a little bit protected from you know people being I, I don't know just not respecting me. And I always had that respect in Maryland. And then when I came here, I I had that job. So people knew me and they respected me, but I do feel as though that a lot of times women coming into the racetrack industry will find that there, there are times when they aren't treated equally and they aren't treated as fairly and they're looked more upon as objects than, than people who have a legitimate position within the industry. So I know that's a hurdle and something that we need to, to kind of overcome, but I feel as though, if you can persevere, if you can stay true to yourself, not be distracted, not be afraid to, to fail sometimes, because a lot of times the biggest thing holding you back is fear. I mean, I, you know, Roosevelt, and, and I always think about that, that the, only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And I think that's a really good thing to always remember in life is don't be afraid to take risks because oftentimes you will be rewarded. And by taking that risk, you gain that much more.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Marina, how about for you? Do you think that there's any challenges that you wish that women didn't have for the future to make it easier to do what you do?
3: Well, I agree with Maggie because I was lucky with um, everybody that I work with. But, of course, we have a challenge because when we start the mail world, we have to try to be not intimidated. So they try to do it because it's like they, they are, not because they are trying to push us, but I think it's the the world is still a little bit in that way. Mm -hmm. So we have to be more confident. We have to show them that we have the knowledge enough to run our job. So show uh, that you are very organized, that you're competent, and you can manage the people. Because I think we, as a woman, we know how to manage the people better than the men. So we can use this uh, by our side. We know how to go everywhere, how to be, like, if you are work with the kids or if you work with the groom or the staff or even the owner, I think you have to show them that you need to be respected.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, in the equine industry as a whole, I feel like we've had this conversation a lot, Jen and I, and, and other women that we brought on, that you know, it's funny how there's so many women involved in the equine industry, but there's there's so many men that end up being at the top. And like, what is that? What can we pinpoint that we can all work on as women to make it so that women will be, there'll be more women at the top. And I think you're right. Like, a, I think it's a confidence thing. It, that's exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. I
2: think it's the number one thing is confidence and not being, just not letting the the static, the noise get in your way.
3: Mm-hmm. And the other side, I think it's hard for a woman to be on this, this job because, as I said before, we have to travel a lot. We have to leave the family behind us. So you have to ask yourself, this is what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. This is, yes. Because then uh, once you start, you can go, okay, every time you can go back, but it's nice to know before you start your goals and prepare your life in this way. I love what I do. I love what I do, but it's not easy. Even for a man, it's not easy.
0: Yeah. There's certainly a lot to sacrifice when you're traveling. I mean, how many weeks out of the year do you have to travel if you're at a top Mm -hmm. level course designer? I mean, it's at least half the year, if not, you know, 30, 35 weeks out of the year. Um, I think that's a big sacrifice for women who want to be with their families too. And um, so, and um, Marina, do you think it's hard for women to get into course designing specifically? I mean, I know we've talked about what the challenges are, but do you think it's open for women as well to pursue? that field
3: i think it's very open even now i think more and more we have women coming to this uh, to this job Mm -hmm. and i never thought from anyone like a rider or owner that uh, because i was woman i was not charged for that Mm -hmm. so i think it's open Mm -hmm. and it's really nice to be a course designer if you don't want to write anymore and you need more and more course designer because the industry is coming bigger and bigger so and as you said it's impossible to work t- like 39 weeks a year yeah you don't have imagination so i think right. you do like no it's it's very hard
0: no, imagination. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> how do you come up with an, all those courses week after
3: week after well, week So it starts to be a little bit the same. And I think now the riders, they want different um, course signers. So they ask for that. So this is an open position.
0: Yeah. I think
3: there's a
0: lot of opportunity there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And more for the American, because uh, at the beginning, we didn't have many uh, North American. Mayo or female that I want to be court signer. Now mm-hmm. they are looking that I have a lot of opportunities to be so I can before they just do hunters and now we see a lot of trying to do FEI, the pathway of jumping FEI so it's a nice, it's good it's good to yeah. see this
1: when you, cool. yeah, when you go to places you basically have to deal with whatever jumps they give you or do you actually ahead of time kind of know what you want and you can build it have you know had available to you when you get there
3: well we when you arrive at the show we we use what they have it's available in place just like pan-american games south american games world cup so that one's a little bit special so then you can prepare like a year before then you send them the the draw and what you want for the triple combination for the double combination what kind of the fillers we want. So it's very, very different, very special events that you have that. Otherwise it's just... And Europe and United States are also very different. In Europe, they they gave us a lot of material. So sometimes we change the materials the first class for the second class. United States is a little bit like we don't change a lot the, the, uh, the course during the day. Because it's like business, very fast, and so, and you don't have many different material. You just have that. It's different ways to see the sport.
0: Yeah, I think usually in America they're just trying to. They have so many trips to get in the ring. You yeah. don't have time to swap out all the jumps in ev- yeah. from class to class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Maggie is. Do you think there's any difference between men and women trying to get jobs in your industry or um, any particular hurdles that may block women or give them reservations?
2: Um, age is a problem, I think, for women, whereas with men, it's not. I mean, I, you're always like, you, obviously, when you first break in, you're trying to prove that you're not just a pretty face for people to look at that you actually know what you're talking about, that you work just as hard, if not harder than the men um, at, at what you're trying to do, whether it be an analyst on form or an analyst to, as far as horses appearance um, with regards to what I I do. Um, and then two, I mean, how many, Donna and Caitlyn uh, are really the only ones that are of a certain age that are still, still on. Um, we, Mm. so I think you're always trying to stay relevant. Um, and at some point you do have to recognize the fact, and maybe it's not right, but you have to recognize the fact that you have to maintain a certain physical appearance, Mm. whereas the men, it's not quite as required or you don't feel, I don't think they feel the pressure that we do.
0: Yeah. That's interesting, and well, I didn't even think about that, but I think that's pretty common in any job where, you know, your appearance is part of it, right? And, mm-hmm. um, wow, how do I you just... change so fast?
2: <laughs> 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 like well, Wonder Woman. <laughs> luckily, my so I'm <laughs> really sad he's retiring, but the the Paddock Judge who has been the Paddock Judge. I've been at are 11 years. I guess he's been it for 10 years. Um, Pete Fitzgerald. He's so great. And he lets me use his paddock office, you know, at Belmont or Saratoga. It's right there at the end of the saddling stalls. And I run in there um, and we lock the door. We pull the shades we <laughs> really quick. <laughs> they have my pony waiting for me. And then away I go. So I, I have it down to a science. Sometimes like if, there's not enough time. I'll change my bottom half and I'll put my breeches and my boots on and still have my dress. Over. <laughs> and then as soon as I do a paddock report, I run in and it, it is a lot. Cause you have to put on like a shirt, the vest and something over the vest too, <laughs> along with the helmet. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it I have it down though, after like, doing it for four or five years now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you have to go back and forth or do you just start out in the paddock and then you're on a horse and that's it?
2: So if it's the races and I'm doing the horse, then I, I, I used to like try to take my helmet off and redo my hair for each time. But now I'm just like, I just leave my helmet on.
0: I'm over
2: it. So, but for, but then sometimes I come back and, you know, there'll be a couple other races that where I'm not out there on the pony and I will change back into a dress and
1: stuff. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the mornings, do you go out and I know you said you ride, you work horses, but do you also kind of watch workouts of other horses that you know are going to be racing soon so that you have, so you get your information? Because I mean, listening to you, it feels like you like, you really know everybody, all the horses on the track all the time.
2: Well... uh to be fair, um, XBTV has done a great job of posting many workouts, but yes, you know, I do, like I said, I have Xandar who I will sit there and, and watch workouts um, on as well. So there's that, I I, mean, I used to be able to do that a bit more prior to children, um, with children, like I said, they do take up a lot of your time, especially at this age, you know, it's two and five or almost two and five, um, at the moment. So They have me busy, but yes, I I do pay attention to other people's horses too out in the racetrack and how they're training.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Marina, I wanted to ask you, um, do you watch show jumping often and watch courses and and stuff like that?
3: Uh, Less than I should do. Sometimes (laughs) when I'm home, I really want to relax and I don't know what. Watch a lot of shows, and, but I like to watch like the big events, like World Cup, World Olympic Games, and uh, like some special shows in Europe. But I'm not really like watch every weekend. I have, no, I'm not.
0: Yeah. Do you think that helps you when you can see what other designers are doing, or do you like it better where you stay fresh and come up with it on your own?
3: I think I prefer to stay fresh because when you look a lot at another course designer, you try to do something that looks like um, someone that's not you. So I think all the course designers have your own talent, your own feelings. And what I like is talk more with the writers. I love like have a good conversation with the top level writers. Not uh, talking about my course. Sometimes I like to ask them before they start to jump or sometimes I just ask, would like to talk something about the uh, course designers. How do you train? What do you wait? Uh, what is fact for a good course? So it's nice when you talk a little bit, uh, not about our course, but in general about the sport. So we we'll learn a lot of that.
1: Cool. Yeah. So Maggie, is there any certain steps that you've taken in order to further your career? Um, hmm. to further
2: my, I have just been able to, well, I mean, there's the one thing of, of seeing like a, a voice coach and, and using him and, and using that and to just, I've always just tried to take on as much work as I possibly could. And maybe now. 10, 11 years into it, I've become a little bit more selective, but I just think that getting as much experience as possible. And at times early on doing it for free, but still you get that wealth from, with the experience that you gain and the repetition. And just, so I think that's something that I've done consistently throughout my career um, to just to try to be better and to try to stay relevant. And I, and, you know, mentioning the travel, I think actually traveling has helped me um, being able to go to different racetracks and obviously working with other people, but seeing horses from different jurisdictions and just very specifically, you know, maybe those horses circle back and are in New York. And that provides a little bit more insight for me from the day-to-day standpoint of looking at these horses in the paddock. But like I said, just seizing every opportunity that I think could be a positive one and, Trying to do it the best of my ability has been a major part of of building my career of taking the the next steps.
1: And Marina, how about you? Have you taken any certain steps to further your career?
3: Yeah, I think again, like Maggie, I think we have uh, to listen the voice of someone. I love to have a coach that helped me a lot to get my steps. Work hard. There's nothing that better than work hard and be. Um, In all the shows that you can to get experience, and I think you have to be involved with with all the organization. Not in my case, just the course signer. We have to learn a little bit with the vet, with the coach, with the uh, the trainers, with the riders. I think you have so many things that you can learn around, like even with uh, the offside people. well, the breeders and everything. So I think uh, we have to learn a little bit of everything that involved that. Because we, we have to learn about the footing. We have to know if you put the horse, what's going to happen with the horse so the fat can help you a little bit. Oh, after this class, the horse was very tired. So this is good or this is not good. You have to know if you push a lot or not. So I think you have to understand a little bit everything that happens in the horse show. And I try to do that and observe. We have to observe other course designers, the shows. And, wow, I think this is what I, what did my career go up. Yeah. And never, okay. And is there,
0: are there very specific, um, Criteria you have to meet as you go up the levels, like you know your level two course designer, level three, like what did it take to get to that level four for you?
3: Well, you can never give up. I let you know that sometimes I thought to give up. Like uh, they change a little bit the pathway to level four uh, after Brazil Olympic Games. And it was so hard to try. before. It was just to be assistant, and when I was there, it was like I had to build fourteen shows, three, four, five stars, uh, South American or not North American, two Nations Cup. So it's not easy to build because it's not very easy to be invited to build that shows. Because right. if you're not yet level four, how they can uh, hire you to build that. You have yeah. to show them that you can do it. So, as I told you before, I was lucky with all the owners of the shows that put me there, that believed me, trusted me. And so, you can give up. Sometimes I thought it's impossible. And now they are trying again to change a little bit the pathway to give more assistance and not build all those. Because when you saw the schedule, of the North America, you don't have all these shows to, like, three-course designer do it. Right. So, sometimes it's hard. But not because yep. I'm woman. It's hard because it's hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. For anyone trying to do For it. For anyone, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there um, specific advice you would give just to women who want to further their careers?
3: yet yeah, this is what I not give up, and also be yourself. I think you have to be yourself, to trust you, to be organized, to observe the result, the anal- analyze, analyze. How do you say? It? Analysis. Yeah. Analysis. Analyze, yeah. Yeah. What you did before, what you have to do next, uh, and self analyze everything yeah. that you do. And uh, today I can see that if it was not level three or level four before, today I can let you know that it was right. I was not prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And always we think that we are prepared, but we are not. So good that you have time to arrive there. And when you do a show that you always want to do, you're going to do it very well. You're going to be prepared for that. So I think everything arrived in my life on the right time. Yeah. So if it was a long way, it should be. So okay. this is what I say. Never give up. The thing's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And Maggie, is there advice that you have that's specific to your field?
2: Uh, as we kind of mentioned before, confidence is is really key. And doubting yourself, you're going to doubt, you're going to trip yourself with what you're saying. You're going to not, you're not going to relay yourself in that confident demeanor in that people are going with what you say. I mean, people are taking your analysis and putting their money on it. So you have to be very confident in what you're saying. And to echoing what Marina said as well, it's just the hard work. It just, Doing it day in, day out, staying true to what you and I mean, I think, as far as advice is concerned, like I said too, don't be afraid to take risks. you you can't you can't be afraid to be wrong, at least in my line because. Kind of like weathermen. At the end of the day, we're going to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> so, um, you Those know, sources don't always do what you want them to do. This is—they always make you humble. And two, you got to be able to have a thick skin. People are going to—I mean, I. There's some social media is brilliant and the devil at the same time. Uh, so, people are it's it's a platform for public opinion which people can not uh, show their face. And um, mm-hmm. so it, it's you know the cowardly way to have an opinion but you have to be able to take it and you can't really let it affect you too. Mm-hmm. so th- having a thick skin, being confident and hard work.
0: That sounds like a pretty good formula no matter what <laughs> industry you're doing exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um At the end of our conversation, we always do the same um, rapid-fire questions for each episode. So Jen usually starts with the first question.
1: Yeah. So Marina, we'll start with you. Uh, What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives?
3: I think we can do uh, just one question. Yeah. Just one. Yes. Just one action. Work. One action. Yep. Action. I think we do. Um, how I can say? We can do more than one thing at the same time. So the woman can do one more thing at the same time. So this is really good. Make a difference.
0: (laughs) Multitasking.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I couldn't find this word. Sorry. Yep. (laughs) Very right about that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Learn how to multitask. That is very, very important.
1: Yeah. And Maggie, how about you? What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives?
2: Uh, Maintain relationships. Uh, Don't... um, you know, don't forget where you came from. Uh, always always be humble, too, um, I, I think is, is very important. So um, always harvesting and, and culminating relationships with people, I think, is very important.
0: Mm-hmm. And Marina, what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally?
3: I always have a goal, and I study and plan to reach this goal. I need a goal every time.
0: And Maggie, how about you? What's your best habit that keeps you motivated?
2: Waking up early. (laughs) Um, It's something I've always done with having to gallop. So sometimes I sleep in a little bit now, but waking up early, starting your day, um, and just knowing what you have to accomplish and giving yourself the most amount of time um, available to do so.
1: What time do you wake up? (laughs)
2: Sometimes it's four thirty, uh, and then sometimes I let my f- my four year old wake me up, which is usually like six. But
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 that's rough. <laughs> yeah, uh, Maggie, what's your favorite horse movie? Casey Shadow. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know. You're that the first one. person to say that, and yes it's my favorite it's 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 old um but i feel like
2: as i mean it's it's definitely racing but i feel it's the besides people trying to poison that the horses that does not happen but i feel like as far as characters are concerned it's the most truest to what the racetrack's like yeah what's
0: the name of the movie casey's shadow casey's shadow i'll have to look that up
1: yeah (laughs) and and Marina, what's your favorite horse movie?
3: Heartland, not a um, movie, but the series. I love Heartland. Even though that's not real, I could uh, watch all kinds of horses, uh, sports. So I like it. It was like very, very easygoing. So I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
2: And be mine, Casey's Shadow is actually loosely based on Randy Romero, um, of his life and his father, really? so oh there's gosh. a little bit of true story
3: yeah. huh. factor to it. <laughs> <laughs> what, yep. Yeah. Google that it. Now. Is, yeah. yeah. That's
0: a family favorite of my family's. Oh,
2: cool. I love. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same yeah. here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us today and talking about, um, you know, how you've persevered and succeeded in your industries and really broken that ceiling yeah. and. Um, I think you're both really um, someone that others can look up to in the industry. And we really love that you came and talked to us today.
2: Well, thank thank you you. so much. And it was really an honor to be on with Marina as well. And I love the fact that you guys have taken some two people from, although we're both equestrian, totally different worlds for, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way to put it. And, you know, we found so many common threads throughout.
3: Yeah. Thank you very much. It was lovely. I love it too. The same idea to understand a little bit, to learn a a little bit more. Thank you. Yeah,
0: Yeah. for sure. That's what we love about
1: this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I was really excited to get to talk to Maggie today and Marina, but I am like a huge fan. Like I was kind of fangirling over Maggie because I really do watch a lot of racing and thoroughbred racing and. I just think she's pretty outstanding in what she does and how she does it. So I was glad that she was able to make it on as a guest today. That's really kind of a male-dominated field is commentating. And even just like reading the race program and being an analyst for racing, she does
0: like a really excellent job. Yeah. I think even in the racing industry as a whole, I mean, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a lot of female trainers and people in the top of that industry. No, not at all. And I, she's
1: one of the best that I've seen as far as her analysis. And she is. She's very honest in it. And she really knows her stuff. She knows her horses. She knows about horses. And it's funny that Marina was talking about how much she needed to know for her job and mm-hmm. talking to all the parts. And I feel like that's the same thing with like Maggie because she's mm-hmm. got
0: to know all the parts also, you know? Right. Yeah, you can't just show up and talk intelligently if you haven't studied and know everything that goes into bringing these horses to the track. Or like Marina said, knowing what the footing is like and what kind of horses are there and who the riders are. And I think horse designers have one of the hardest jobs at a horse show and... They're usually the ones that get maligned first of something. Oh, I know. Like um, earlier this year, I went to the Hampton
1: Classic, and they had one day of on the Grand Prix field, and I showed
0: up the next day, and they had ripped up the entire Grand Prix field. Yes, because- yeah. <laughs> the some there was just something not right with the grass, and they made yeah. it into a sand ring overnight. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like you okay. have a course set for a certain type of huge field. And then boom, it's a sand ring the next day.
1: It was amazing. I was watching the trucks because I was there that Monday and I was watching the trucks take it. I'm like, what, what is going on? Yeah. So
0: yeah, the course designers must be like, oh wow, like that's pretty big change. I just, it boggles my mind of how they can just come up with new ideas and new tracks every week. And I think it's really cool how she was able to explain Everything that goes into it. And I think it's a really hard job to not only move up the levels, but to maintain over the years because you have to keep doing it in order to get invited and yeah. get yourself known and have other horseshoe organizers hire you. And like she said, what it took to get to that top level was a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time and hard work. And I know. A lot of people really love the way that she designs and she knows horses and she was a rider and she competed. So that really brings a lot to it. And I think it's really cool to see her name among those top course designers. I think there's only like 36 in the world that are level four. Wow. And she's the only woman.
1: Dang. That's amazing. That's quite an accomplishment, really. It really is. And
0: she's, been doing it for a long time. And that's, I think it's so cool to see her accomplish that. Yeah. And, and like you said, they, both of them have to kind of stay relevant in their field, right? It takes a lot to stay relevant. It does. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I think, I don't know about racing, but in show jumping, like things are changing so quickly, I feel like. And even from 10 years ago, course design is so different. And The materials that they use and the way the horses go and, you know, how technical and delicate everything is now has changed so much from the past. And like you said, you have to know what's going on and be able to adjust the way that you do your work. But I think that lends itself to any industry that you're in. If you really want to be a part of it and you want to stay a part of it, you have to be immersed and be following it and know what's happening and, and work hard to keep yourself involved. Oh yeah. I mean, I,
1: I see it in my own career, right? Uh, Veterinary medicine is constantly changing and evolving. Regenerative medicine is a big part of it. And so We are constantly getting products, new products, changing out with old products. And so learning and knowing what they're used for, but also where, what direction it's going in is definitely something that I have to stay up on. And I think Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I have a pretty good leg up on that being involved with riding and racing and just it's kind of my life. So that helps me, but I could understand if there... I think that's what makes me a good salesperson too, because I'm being honest. I'm going to be honest about it because I use it.
0: Yeah. I've seen the same thing in what I do too. And the way that we have to stay on top of new technologies or new ways to get information across. Obviously, social media has completely changed the landscape of what I do. 15 years ago, we were barely starting Facebook pages. (laughs) (laughs) What it is now, it's, it's definitely changed. And staying on top of that is a major part of what I do. Yeah. So yeah, another awesome conversation and um, we will see who we can get here next. Yeah.
1: Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B
0: is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. Find out more about Equestrian Businesswomen. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20-plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now, go break the ceiling.